Hello, uh, it's uh, Peter here. Yeah, it's so nice to uh, be able to join you again from uh, England. Um, I hope uh, is, is the signal coming through clearly. Yeah, it's okay. Is that good? Uh, so yes, it does. That's good. Thank you. Now, uh, when we read uh, some of the stories of uh, demonstrations of God's power in the Old Testament, we can feel very small and insignificant in comparison. Elijah was uh, probably the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. Uh, Elijah was, uh, in the New Testament, it was Elijah who with Moses was sent by the Lord our God to encourage Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration and to speak to him about the ordeal that he was going to face in, um, in Jerusalem. Elijah was used by God in many ways. He was used to raise the dead. He was a brave man, a prophet of God, at a time when people uh, did not want to hear God's word. He spoke God's word to the 10 northern tribes of Israel at a time when uh, they had turned their back on the Lord our God and were worshipping the fertility gods, the Baals, the Canaanite gods of rain and fire. And in um, Canaanite religion, each community had its own local god or Baal, which they believed controlled the fertility of the crops and uh, the herds and the families. And Baal worship involved lascivious uh, practices and child sacrifice. And it was often linked with the worship of the goddess Ashtoreth and uh, the use of an Asherah pole, perhaps uh, a wooden image of the goddess. The Lord had warned the Israelites when they went into the promised land to destroy uh, the Baal shrines and to cut down the Asherah poles. But King Ahab and his wife Jezebel had led the ten northern tribes of Israel away from God. Ahab had a powerful army. He was a king for 22 years, but he oppressed the poor people and he stole their land. His wife Jezebel was dedicated to Baal and she organized the killing of any uh, prophets who were loyal to the Lord our God. So the Lord sent Elijah to confront Ahab and to announce a drought that would devastate the nation. For three years, there was no rain and the fields and the crops failed. The king was desperate and the prophets of Baal, of course, they prayed and sacrificed to Baal, but Baal could not send rain. The king was frantic and he hunted for Elijah, but the Lord hid him away and cared for him in miraculous ways, just like uh, we sang in that uh, hymn still, hidden, safe, trusting. After three years, the Lord sent Elijah uh, to King Ahab again with this message. I am the God of Israel. I will send rain on the land. Lord God had shown them that the Baals did not control the fertility of the land. The Baals 
should not be worshipped because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So full of faith, Elijah went to the king, to Ahab, and he called for a competition, a competition that would demonstrate who was the God who could send fire and rain. The competition was between Elijah, the prophet of Yahweh, the God of all the earth, and the 45, sorry, 450 prophets of Baal who claimed uh, to be the God of nature and fire. And so two sacrifices, the competition was clear. Two sacrifices were to be proclaimed, one on the altar of Baal and the other on the altar of the Lord. The fires were not to be lit. And the question was, which God would send fire to consume the sacrifice? Baal or Yahweh, the Lord our God? So they gathered on Mount Carmel and the people from all over Israel came to witness. The 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah uh, on the one side and Elijah stood alone on the other. It looked very unbalanced, but Elijah came in the name of the Lord our God. Elijah addressed the assembled people of Israel. How long will you waver between two options? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. That must have felt terrible. Uh, no support how hard it is to stand alone were the people quiet because of fear of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel well the prophets of Baal chose first which bull to sacrifice they arranged the wood and the bull on the altar and in the morning till noon they prayed for Baal to send fire oh Baal answer us they shouted and they danced around the altar. At noon, Elijah taunted them. Shout louder. Perhaps your God is asleep or busy or deep in thought. Some scholars think that uh, deep in thought is a euphemism for gone to the toilet. Uh, we don't, I'm not sure. So they shouted louder and they slashed themselves with swords and spears until the blood flowed to show how earnest they were in their prayers. After a few more hours of this, it was evident that the Baals were not going to send fire. And about 3 p.m., the hour of the evening sacrifice, Elijah invited people to come near. Elijah repaired the broken down altar of the Lord. He dug a trench around it and arranged the wood on top of the altar and the, the parts of the sacrifice bull told the people to pour water on the sacrifice and on the wood and on the altar until it was thoroughly wet and the trench was filled with water. Then Elijah prayed this simple prayer. O Lord God, God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, 
and you are turning their hearts back again. It was a simple request. And the Lord our God showed his people that he, it was he who was God. The fire from God fell down and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones and the soil and the water. And the people cried out, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And the people took the five, 450 prophets of Baal down the mountain and killed them. The Lord has sent fire. Would he also send rain? Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel and prayed, determinedly, seven times for the longed-for rain to refresh the ground. What an amazing example of a faithful servant of God Elijah was. And Elijah went and warned King Ahab to go home quickly because the rain was coming and otherwise his uh, chariot would get stuck in the mud. And Ahab went home to his wife and he told his wife what had happened on the mountain. How do you think she reacted? Did she see the error of her ways and repent? Did she recognize that the Lord is God and thank him for the rain? No. She made a vow to kill Elijah that same day. See, even powerful demonstrations of God's power and love will not persuade people who have hardened their hearts against the Lord. Our Lord Jesus used the power of God in his ministry to bless those in need. He operated out of compassion. He saw their need and he used his ability to, uh, to bless them. But he refused to use his power to prove his authority to those who doubted. When Elijah heard of Queen Jezebel's threat to kill him, he ran away. God's prophet traveled uh, until he was exhausted. And then he lay down under a broom tree. Elijah had bravely stood alone for God before a rebellious nation. Elijah was a true hero of the faith. His prophecy of drought had proved true. He had shown that Yahweh, the Lord, is the God who could send fire and rain. But our Old Testament reading shows us a very human picture of a man physically and mentally exhausted. He felt a failure at his wit's end. What did this great man of God pray for? Elijah didn't pray for strength or courage or for energy. He prayed that he might lay down and die. He was a hunted man, lonely and exhausted. But he prayed. In his desperation, when he couldn't face any more, he ran. But he ran to God and he prayed. There may be times in our lives when we can't offer God any victories. Times when we feel discouraged and dispirited. And even in those times, we can let our desperate cries come to the Lord our God. We see these types of prayer in the Psalms. Elijah prayed, 
And the Lord knew Elijah's situation and how he felt about it. And he knows us too. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our needs. He, he doesn't always give us, though, what we ask for. It's very encouraging to see how the Lord God deals with Elijah. There's no rebuke. There's no, you should try harder. There's no, you'd better do better, improve your performance. Under the shade of that tree, Elijah slept. He did not die. He woke with the smell of a fire and fresh baked bread. Food and drink. And an angel to accompany him with gentle encouragement to eat. Then more sleep, more food and more drink. All he needed to see him safely on his way to Horeb, the mountain of God. We see how very gracious our God is. The Lord knows our needs and we can be sure that he wants us to care for our bodies, enough sleep and food. He cares for us as he cared for Elijah. Elijah in his desperation ran away, but he knows he does not have to run from God. Nourished and refreshed, he finds shelter on the mountain of God in a cave. He's honest with God about his feelings. He couldn't make sense of it. He's done everything that God asked of him, yet Ahab is still king. Jezebel still wants to kill him. And Elijah felt so alone and vulnerable. He tells God his pain. At times, because of our personal circumstances, we wonder, why is this happening to me? In our national church, in our nation and church life, we ask, why do people turn away from God? Well, in that cave at Horeb, the Lord spoke to Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? And the Lord tells Elijah to go outside. For the Lord will pass by. Yes, perhaps a new vision of God was what he, he needs. So he goes to the mouth of the cave and stands to see how the Lord will reveal himself. There's a mighty wind, must have been like a tornado, picking up rocks and crushing them and breaking them. But God wasn't in the wind. There was an earthquake and the earth shook. But God wasn't in the earthquake. There was a fire, powerful and consuming, but God wasn't in the fire. And then a gentle whisper came, a still small voice again. What are you doing here, Elijah? It's the same question. It's not a rebuke. Maybe it was a gentle challenge. And Elijah's feeling sorry for himself and he tells his story again. I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. And I, I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. But it's evident from the rest of the story that Elijah didn't have the full picture. And often when we're feeling sorry for ourselves, it's because we're not taking into account 
all the facts. The story of Elijah lets us know, though, that it's okay to take our grumbles to God. It's all right to tell him what we're feeling. Jesus invites us as well with the same message. Come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. Well, the Lord answered Elijah's prayer, not with fire or wind or earthquake, but with a gentle, <coughs> with, uh, gentle with his servant. And when Elijah found himself in despair, the Lord spoke, you're not finished yet, Elijah. I have new work for you to do. I want you to go to Syria and anoint Hazael as the new king of Syria. And then I want you to anoint Jehu, who is going to be the new king of Israel, to replace Ahab. Elisha, a prophet of Israel, will continue your prophetic work. Though no one spoke up to support you, there are still 7,000 others in Israel who have not bowed the knee to Baal. What an encouragement for Elijah. And what an encouragement to us as we take our problems and discouragements to God. He is gentle with us. He meets us where we are and is always ready to forgive and to restore us. Let's be encouraged and put our trust firmly in the Lord, as Elijah did in his distress. Father God, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your promise to be near to us and to bless us, to be to us the bread of life. Amen.